We are back, everyone, with all Access USL action. Finally, we are getting ever closer to the start of the season. We are only about two months away. We recently had the league announce um, the home openers for every team. Some, I believe, are in April. But then we've got the ones on March 11th, which seems like the confirmed start date. Well, the pretty much confirmed start date for the season. And we have some tasty games indeed for the beginning of the season. It just gets you that much more excited for what is sure to be an exciting 2023 season. I mean, might be the most I've looked forward to forward to a new season um, ever in terms of USL Championship. It will be crazy, I think. The parity between teams is slowly um, changing for the good. I think the teams are closer in competition than they ever have been. I honestly think it will not be like other seasons where we see, you know, like New York Red Bulls 2 or whatever, just rooted to the bottom in the East. And then there's the fight between whoever's got the like somehow best roster ever put together but they're misusing it so poorly in the west um but this year is sure to be a good one we'll go through i think the home openers on probably in a week or two um because i think it's something to talk about this early since they're out this early but i think um in terms of the full season predictions that's still going to come at about end of January, maybe even into late February, once rosters are set, not nearly, not really set in stone, but are really starting to round out. We have a good idea of what teams should be like. I think we're starting to get there. Um, with a couple of teams, we know what they're going to be like this year. We know their um, kind of aspirations. I think while every team has championship aspirations, I think some teams know how realistic it is for this year, at least. In terms of either are they winning now or are, should they be looking forward? Are they just building a team um, of like youngsters that are trying to grow for 24 or 25? I think there are one or two teams who are honestly doing that. But that's something to get into for predictions. But I think in terms of what we've seen so far, uh, the league is going to be the best it's ever been this season. And I'm so excited for that. Um. Other news, not too sure. Today's episode mainly is just a re-signing thing. I've gotten through the top 15 re-signings so far that I think are the most impactful for their team, for the player, and um, in terms of them staying where they are, like keeping the team together, how it's going to just be in general, I guess is the main thing. There is one transfer I'd like to talk about. I think you all know. And it's Elvis Amo, who I honestly, I, a lot of people, I think, figured he would follow in the direction of uh, Mishi Ingalina and Haji Berry in terms of heading abroad. Because he certainly had the capabilities. He had a very good 2022 season. Um, his best season to date, most likely. I believe he did very well with RGV. Uh, when he, he did do pretty decent with RGV when he was there. But this seemed like his most put-together season he had um, with a good team. It really showed. Like, he fit well into the system in Colorado Springs. And without him, 
they probably would have finished maybe a position or two lower. So they really needed him. And they've lost all three pieces. I think they're trying their hardest to replace them, but it's still difficult to um, attract players of Hottie Berry's quality from other leagues. So they're trying to find those replacements within the league, which they're probably getting as close as they can. But they're not quite there yet. They'll still be decent, but besides the point. They lose Elvis Amo to Hartford Athletic for nothing. No trade involved. Amo heads to the East Coast for free, which is not only a big loss for Hartford for the switchbacks because they get nothing for a good starter. Granted, he is 30, so who knows how many scenes they were going to get out of him. But I think Tab Ramos will be able to squeeze every ounce of football that Amo has left in him out there in Hartford. And it just elevates Hartford that much. Now they have arguably a USL championship star. He's made himself kind of that caliber of player, I would say. He's up there. He's up there. Like that was the feared front three um, or that feared attack at Colorado Springs was Amo, Barry, and Glena. So uh, they lose all three of those pieces, and now Amo off to Hartford is huge. Um, what this does for Hartford, not sure. They still have, I don't really think they actually have much in terms of signing players. It's really just, can Tab Ramos get this team together? Um, I think, I, I do think he will be able to do that. It's just, who are they capable of finishing above? I think Louisville are still favorites most likely to finish top of the East. And I think that's further strengthened with Dylan Mares signing in Louisville, a very, very good midfielder. Indeed, a very good progressive and distributing midfielder, which is not that they really need it, but they just add more firepower with Dylan Mares. Uh Tampa Bay who released Nicky law, which is a pretty big deal, but he honestly didn't do much in his time in the league. So I don't think they'll be missing out on that too bad. Uh, they lose Sebastian Guenzotti, but I think they'll be fine. Uh, I do think they're still up there. And then Indian Levin, who I honestly think have had a better uh, offseason than Hartford, re- even regarding what they've just brought in with Amo. Um, I do think Hartford's uh, window is kind of brought down by Richard Sanchez. While he is an okay USL championship goalkeeper, he's certainly not a star. And from what I've seen with him in MLS... He was horrific in his time with um, Chicago and Sporting Kansas City. That's all I can say. He was very bad. But how he fares with Hartford, who knows? Maybe he turns into, maybe he's grown into a good goalkeeper. He also spent time with LA Galaxy 2. Wasn't great there. Spent time in USL League 1, I'm pretty sure as well. Was not great there. But who knows? Maybe under Tab Ramos, he'll be a new goalkeeper. But I think that would put Hartford around fourth. I think... Everything I've just said puts Hartford around fourth in the East, if we're being completely honest. I know I said predictions in late February, but I think it's fair to say right now that Hartford will be a good team. Um, They've done a lot. They've added to the midfield and to the attack. They've added in goal when they lost Yannick Odell uh, to Indy as a most likely backup at Indy. So they're doing well, and I think fourth is fair for them for sure. In terms of what the switchbacks will do, they have a lot of money. Uh, they lost. They sold Michi and Galina to Gaztepe. They sold Haji Berry for a seven-figure fee to Egypt. They lose Alma for free, but that frees up whatever wages they were giving him, 
whatever bonuses he had. So Colorado Springs have a lot of freedom to sign. I mean, they even signed Romario Williams, who spent time in MLS with Atlanta United and the Columbus crew, spent time with New Mexico United, was pretty decent there. So seems like they have ideas for what they want to do with their attack, but we'll see if it can actually be better uh, without those three. So I guess we can move on to the top 15 re-signings, which is kind of the main bulk of what today's episode is. Now, when I went through these main signings, or these re-signings, I should say, I went for not really... I mean, some of these players are huge players for this team, for their team, but some of these players are also role players or just like, it makes sense. Like if you lose them, whether or not they actually like produce every time, if you lose them, you're probably going to finish one, two, three spots worse off. And I think you'll understand when we get to a couple of these players. But first off, I think we need to start with one of the big ones, likely the goalkeeper of the 2022 season, Nate Steinwasher. I mean, he is a big part of why Detroit were so good. Um, they play, Detroit, I believe, played a very narrow three at the back the whole season, and that really opens up, really, really opens up the field for the um, opposing team on the counterattack. So Steinwasser has to be ready all the time, and he had one of the best uh, goals against um, averages in the league, and he also had sat behind one of the best defenses. So I think that's a testament to how good Steinwasser was and how good the defense was. It was a complete lock. They were both on top of each other, knew what had to happen at the back, and that was great. And Steinwasser is also a great distributor. There were so many times this year where Steinwasser had the ball, and he, like, off the punt, he's all right, but off the throw, he is immense. A lot of great attacks built with Nate Steinwasser. And I think he will continue this in 2023 as being a great goalkeeper. Now, I'm not sure how far it will take Detroit in 2023. I mean, they lose Declan Wynn, who was definitely one of their best options at the back and moving forward as an attacking fullback-ish option. Um, but they still have good options at the back. I would almost put Detroit probably around 7th again, purely because Gage Simonson and Connor Rutz do not put a lot of, I do not put a lot of faith in them to score goals, but I think their defense will get them over the line, and I think Nate Steinwasher will get them over the line once again this year. But I don't think the gap, if they were to finish 7th again, I don't think the gap between them and 8th will be as big. It was like a 12-point gap between between Detroit and Tulsa. So I don't think that is going to happen again. But it's good to see Nate Steinwasher back in Detroit. I honestly think this is a thing where Steinwasher finishes his USL Championship career with Detroit, retires with Detroit, because I think Detroit is a good team to be at right now. Granted, they might not be as good as last season, but I think the foundation that they have is still there. And I think it's definitely one of the best pulls in terms of uh, fan bases and maybe even um, like geographically a decent location to be at. So I think Steinwasher will be good in 2023 and will continue to stay there after 2023 for sure. We also have Cornardo Forbes resigning with Pittsburgh, a good two-way midfielder. He can defend on his day when he needs to, a good progressive midfielder, also just a good um, tackler in the midfield. So he kind of does all that you need. Now he is 34. 
And midfielders are definitely capable of going towards um, uh, older ages. You could probably get 36, 37 out of most midfielders, but it's to a point where when they get to that age, you probably have to stop asking them to do certain things. Like if you get to 36, 37, and you're, main, you're a very good defensive midfielder, but you are asked to get forward still, you might just have to be a defensive midfielder that stays back and hangs around and waits for those counterattacks um, and just does that and doesn't really go forward. And the Canardo Forms might be getting there a bit, so his role with Pittsburgh might not be as big, but he's still a huge re-signing for Pittsburgh, no doubt. Um, not much else to say there. I feel like Canardo Forbes kind of goes under the radar a little bit. I mean, like, he is a very good, not run of the mill, like, he is an above average center mid for sure for Pittsburgh. He helps keep them in games, a very good distributor, a very good tackler at the back, very good at tracking back, especially for his age, very disciplined, and I think he's going to help keep Pittsburgh up there again. Maybe probably around fifth or sixth this year. Because I think Hartford um, will be better. I think Indy will be better. But I think Pittsburgh will still be up there for sure. It's hard to imagine a Pittsburgh team that does not make the playoffs. Especially with what they still have right now. But it's still unclear where players like Danny Griffin will be. I'm not too sure if he's re-signed yet or not. If he does leave, that'll be huge. And that might break up a little bit how good Cronado Forbes can play without Danny Griffin. But we'll see. Right now, Cronado Forbes, just by himself, re-signing him for Pittsburgh is huge. And off to another midfielder, this time Luis Felipe Hernandez, re-signs with Sacramento. And I think a lot needs to be said about Luis Felipe Hernandez, a very good CDM, very capable um, of staying back, being almost like a fifth center back with how low he can stay sometimes. But he's also just a good, almost destroyer-esque player in midfield and a good distributor to get it up to the attacking midfielders for Sacramento. And I think a lot showed with Luis Felipe Hernandez when he played in the U.S. Open Cup this year. Very good in the U.S. Open Cup, especially at um, keeping MLS teams in check. I think, a lot of M- I think that's also just a testament to how USL championship teams play. I think a lot of MLS teams get caught out against USL championship teams because MLS teams try hard to be different. They try these maybe like not like revolutionary tactics, but they want to be different in their tactic tactics. While USL championship teams stick to what their managers know and what they know works most of the time. Sometimes we'll get managers who come down here and want to experiment and sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't, but a lot of teams now like to just like Detroit, Detroit play this like diamond three at the back formation that worked and it works well for them. With some other teams, it would probably go horribly. But Detroit know what they're doing with it. Sacramento, they don't play basic, but they play how, what they know works. And Luis Felipe Hernandez is a premium CDM, a very, like, not average. not That's not the word, not average CDM, but a very traditional CDM. And he knows that, and he plays that role very well. So to get him back into that traditional CDM role, where he's been so good for them is huge. And I think will keep Sacramento in a likely playoff spot this year. I'm not too convinced on what they're doing all across the other uh, parts of the field. I do think they need a bit more everywhere ish, especially losing like speedy Williams to Colorado Springs. 
They have a lot to do, but I think Felipe Hernandez is a good starting point in uh, making that fight for the playoffs once again this year. And off to another midfielder, we have Niall McCabe re-signing with Louisville. Louisville got a lot of re-signings done, but not some, I don't think, as important as Niall McCabe. He's 32. Um, so in terms of what he still has left, who knows? Like I say, I always bring up age because it's always subjective based off of um, position. I think maybe two, three more seasons left for Niall McCabe would be good for him. But he is definitely a good underrated-ish player. Like it's hard to be underrated when you start for the for Louisville because you are most likely playing incredible or at least very good game in game out with what is asked for them by the manager and how they play. They are just good almost all the time. But Niall McCabe is kind of outshone by Wilson Harris and Brian Ownby and Cameron Lancaster all the time. But Niall McCabe is a great distributor from that center attacking mid role. He could even play back at centerman if needed, but usually not. So Niall McCabe re-signing with Louisville is a huge thing for sure and keeps that Louisville team ticking once again nicely. Expect them to be up towards the top of the East once again. Next up, we move to the center back position with Paco Craig re-signing with Miami. A very good center back. I think he shines more in his distribution and getting forward a bit than he does his defending, but he's still a very capable defender. Like Miami, in terms of defending this past season, were not that bad. They were pretty good for finishing sixth in the East. And it seemed like at some points they were kind of cruising uh, this season, mainly because uh, I think they reached a point where it just felt like a group of talented players more so than a team. But they really found their edge at the end. And I think Paco Craig found his edge at the end of balancing that getting forward and staying back right. And also just being a solid defender. And I'll be excited to see him grow this year because I think Miami as a team will be more inclined to just, I don't know, be better. I think they will just honestly be better. I see more in this Miami team now than I did last season. I think I might have predicted Miami to finish outside the playoffs last season. Probably not happening. Um, I don't think, honestly, just a broad statement, I don't think that much will shift in terms of, like, we'll see Indy and Hartford into the playoffs. But other than that, don't see much of a shift in terms of the East. But that could change. But right now, I think Paco Craig resigning with Miami is huge for Miami and Paco Craig. And I think it will be a good year for Miami. And next up, we have a striker into the terms of Christian Valeski re-signing with Monterey Bay. A good striker option. I still think Monterey Bay need more of an out-and-out goal scorer who can hit double digits. But Christian Valeski is one of those players who, like, coming off the bench or even starting this year for Monterey Bay, got the goals when needed. And I think he will fit a role of being... um. A backup. I think he's a great backup for the league. He can start on other teams. He could probably start for Detroit. He would probably get double digits for Detroit, to be honest. But I think he's a good option in Monterey Bay. And I think if we if Monterey Bay can get in an actual out and out striker, um, I mean, who knows? Kyle Vassell, he could do it. Stay in California. He was decent with San Diego. Believe he hit double digit goals with them. I think Kyle Vassell would be a great little option for Monterey Bay. And I think Molesky would compliment him nicely off the bench if it were to happen. 
but he's definitely one of those role players that's like if you lose him you're definitely down a position or two and I think keeping hold of Christian Vlusky was huge for Monterey Bay so we move from Monterey Bay and the striker position across to Tulsa and the goalkeeper position with Austin Wormel and I think Austin Wormel is just a good goalkeeper I mean there's a lot with Tulsa and the goalkeepers that they've been able to uh, do in terms of Austin Rommel and Sean Lewis. Probably t- Austin Rommel is definitely a top 10 goalkeeper in the league. And I will say again, Steinwasher was great this year, but I still think Sean Lewis is better than him. I think Sean Lewis is the number one goalkeeper in the league. Um, So Tulsa have been doing great with goalkeepers and they hold on to one of their goalkeepers now with Austin Rommel. And with what they've been able to do across the other parts of the field, like with Justin Malu coming in, with Moses Dyer coming in, two good young options um, who will be able to provide probably from the get-go, I think Tulsa are looking up this year. Not too sure if it complements to the playoffs, but I still think it's huge. And Austin Rommel, a great shot stopper. Can work on the distribution a little bit, but what Tulsa mainly need is a great shot stopper because I don't really think Tulsa are looking to play out from the goalkeeper um, most of the time, like Detroit came with Steinwasher. So I think they're just more uh, worried about Wormel being a good shot stopper than a distributor. And they've got that in them. So next up, we kind of have a four uh, man thing here. We have Evan Conway, Thomas Among, Tumi Moshabani, and Alejandro Guido already signed with San Diego. Obviously, Evan Conway, a young option who they picked up from USL League One, Among and Moshabani. Two great wide options who are very capable of providing. They provided for Vassell and Conway um, all season and were able to get on the score sheet themselves. And Guido, a good midfield option. Again, another option. He does get forward a lot, but he is capable of being that defensive midfielder. So kind of just bringing the whole, not really spine back, but kind of just bringing like the whole foundation back of the attack and a big piece in midfield. So really not much to talk about there. There are huge pieces who had great 2022 seasons who are all back for 2023 and will keep San Diego up there. Um, I think San Diego will fall off a bit. I think, especially with losing Jack Blake to Indy, um, I think there's a bit going on there that's like, how good will San Diego actually be? Because Jack Blake heading to Indy after have, are, having already re-signed with San Diego is a bit suspicious. But I do think San Diego will still be up there. Um, I think the whole problem was that whole um, debacle with Lana Donovan now being in the front office and then their new manager. But hopefully that's all past them. But if it's not, I see them missing the maybe finishing around fifth or sixth, not necessarily missing the playoffs. But I think they will be a bit lower this season. But they still do have the good options up top with Conley Among and Moshabani and Guido in midfield. With that, though, we are going to take a quick break before we head back and finish out the rest of the list. And we are back from that little break to continue to talk about the top 15 re-signings. Uh, we just went through the first eight. Now, I should say that this is in no particular order. Um, and we finished off with Conway among Moshibani and Guido, all re-signing with San Diego. So we've got about ooh, seven more players to talk about. And first off, I think this one comes as no real surprise. Uh, Sean Tosh re-signing with Louisville. Uh, I believe he scored like 
eight goals this year from penalties and what and um, other opportunities, but just a huge presence, not only goal scoring wise, like he could have been a top goal scorer for a like 11th or 12th place team in the league this year, but he was a not close to top goal scorer on Louisville from center back as their captain, a huge presence coming back to Louisville. He is a, I mean, great at bombing forward, great at penalties, great leader at the back, great defender anchoring that three man back line. I mean, he's everything you could ever want. Probably one of the best just players you could have on a USL championship roster. No doubt. Um, Unbelievable. I got to see him play in person at New York Gribbles too. He was fantastic. That was when they won 6-0. So I don't believe he even scored at that game. I don't believe they had a penalty in that game, so he wouldn't have been able to score. Uh, Enosh Mushagalusa had a hat trick that game, which was fantastic to watch. But Sean Tosh, huge re-signing with Louisville. Um, I don't know if he hits the heights of eight to nine goals that he had this past year, maybe four or five. But I mean, if he takes penalties like he did this last year, who knows? Maybe he could even hit double digits. Um, but Louisville are going to be so good, especially with Tosh back. So keep an eye out on him. Bit on the older side, but I don't really think they need him to be young um, for their... Uh, system that they play over in Louisville. He's not necessarily a center back that has to track all the time because their midfield is very good at um, stopping that. And they also, I believe, most of the time play CDM above their three center backs who also gets there. So Sean Toach uh, still has a good amount of time, I'd say, in Louisville. Next, Maxim Rodriguez re-signs with Detroit. He, now, it's funny because he was their top goal scorer this season. I believe he had about seven, eight goals this year. He was a very, very good option, especially at Cam. Now, I, they were Detroit were playing at a an eleven where they would have a four man midfield, I believe. No, a five man midfield, and then they have the two Cams, and then they would have um the striker and Connor Rutz was the striker and he didn't, he got a good amount of service. I'd say because he had two great options behind him, but he still wasn't able to score goals, but it was what's behind. So I don't really think Detroit are necessarily building for, um, the, uh, like an out and out striker. That's clearly not how they play, but I think what they want is that they're going to have Connor Rutz again up top, just as that, like in the box, one touch strikes, throwing his weight around. But what's really going to be happening is Maxi Rodriguez and Skage Simonson behind are going to be the distributors, the finishers, doing all of that hard creative work and also finishing off chances. So I think Maxi Rodriguez is probably that top offensive danger for Detroit. And so re-signing him is huge, especially in a season which, again, still not sold on, not sold on how they'll do in 2023. 2022, very good year for them. But 2023, I think they're going to have to put in a lot of work if they want to get back into the playoffs. But re-signing Maxi Rodriguez, their top goal scorer, um, especially after losing Antoine Hopeno as well, who is a great distributor and creator this past season. Huge. Will they have replaced Antoine Hopeno with Skage Simonson? Who knows? Simonson still has a lot of time to grow, especially coming with Loudon, which is a very good growth um, area. A team... A, um, like a development team. I think he's already got that growth mindset. And I think 
Simonson will be able to provide, not quite to the level of Hopeno, but I think maybe he will be able to get there in a season or two. So, but Max Rodriguez resetting with Detroit is very, very big. Next up, I think, again, this one comes with no real surprise. Brian Ombi re-signs with Louisville. Probably their best winger option. One of the most dangerous wingers skill-wise and finishing-wise in the league. And just one of the probably best attackers in the league, hands down. Again, got to see him play in person. It was fantastic. I believe he had two assists and a goal on that time. Might have had two goals, but he was fantastic. He is very good at cutting inside. Um, no matter where he is, because he also um, switches wings during the game. He has that liberty to be able to do that, which is huge, because he is such a creative player that if you allow him to do that, you're going to run the opponent's, uh, what you call it, 18-yard box. It's just over. So, yeah. Brian Obi resigns with Louisville, fantastic player. I mean, it's just too too obvious that he is one of their best players. And any team that has him instantly becomes better. So Louisville re-signing him is huge. Next up, Sam Gleadle re-signs with Monterey Bay, a main left back. I believe he can play across the back line as well. Also good at getting forward. So just good to see Monterey Bay bring back defensive options that they are familiar with. I think familiarity after an inaugural season is huge. Even if he wasn't that great, um, I still think still a good young option. And I think, like I said, the familiarity with the system and with what it takes to play with Monterey Bay and just being around that culture in the inaugural season will just help him grow uh, and help him move the team forward. So I think that's another one of those things where he's a good system player uh, that if they lose him, you lose that familiarity with the team. You lose his abilities as a, someone who knows what's going on, and you might see yourself falling uh, off in that position. So good to see Sam Gleadle back with Monterey Bay. Next, we have Philip Goodrum, the top goal scorer, the joint top goal scorer um, of 2022 season, re-signing with Memphis. I think this is the biggest coup for Memphis after everything they've lost. This season, they lost Patrick Segrist to the Colorado Springs switchbacks. They lost Derek Dotson and Trey Muse to Charleston. They lost Ben Perman to Charleston. They've lost a lot this year. I believe they still have Aaron Malloy, who was their best um, progressive and attacking midfielder this year. He was incredible. But to keep Philip Goodrum is huge. Their best attacker, by far, top goal scorer. If they if you lose your top goal scorer, um, you are either screwed or you are going to be looking frantically for someone who could even close to replicate that. But granted, I mean, they lost their top goal scorer from 2021 and Kyle Murphy to Mem to Miami and they fared much better without him than I thought they would. So keeping Philip Goodrum around keeps them in that chase for the playoffs. I think we see them fall off a good bit from where they were in 2022, but I think keeping Philip Goodrum around and hopefully building out that defense like they need to again, um, could see them stick around in the playoffs, which would be fun, especially seeing them win their first playoff game in 2022. It'd be fun to see Memphis back in the playoffs. They're a fun team for sure. At 14th, we have Alex Cronali re-signing with Birmingham, a good, solid defender. Doesn't really get forward, good at passing and progressing the ball forward, but overall just a fantastic defender, a fantastic one-on-one -on -one defender, a fantastic Man-marking defender in the box. He's tall enough to be able to do that. 
He is just what you want in an out-and-out staying back defender. So Birmingham getting that done, a team that was good defensively, good offensively at many points in 2022, but kind of faltered. They need that steady ship at the back that Alex Cronalli is. If they can build out more around him, I think they see a better season, but they've lost a little bit up top. They lost Marlon Santos. They kept Prosper Cassine, which is big. Um, but, I mean, Alex Cronalli, the big focal point on that defense, so keeping him around is big for sure. And last on the list, we have Chris Weehan, kind of the big creative player of that New Mexico United midfield. He sticks around, um, not leaving. He did have that weird stint with Orange County, um, I believe in 2021. So no repeats of that. He's sticking around for good in New Mexico and going to help New Mexico tick along nicely in 2023, most likely. Um, I think he's a bit on the older side as well. But again, I don't think there's that much ass of him where it's going to change much. And I think he'll still be uh, that good center mid option that we know him to be in New Mexico. So that finishes out our 15-man re-signings list. Those are the top 15 players. I know with number eight, we had the four from San Diego. So I guess top 18 players who I think are the biggest re-signings of the season so far with their respective teams and what they're capable of with their respective teams. Uh, there are some I missed for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of some other ones like Harry Schwartz resigned with New Mexico United. That's still a good option for New Mexico. Uh, who else? A lot more. I'll probably go through a bit more as the season comes closer, but those are the 15 biggest ones that I, or those are the 15, I believe are to be the biggest resigning so far. Um, not much else. Just keep on the lookout for videos. The next, or not videos, episodes. The next episode will be out next Saturday. Not too sure what it will be about, but I'll make sure to keep you guys updated on that. Keep posted on the Instagram as well. Lots of content coming out this week. Probably more signings coming out this week as well. So keep out for posts about that. So thank you guys for listening to today's episode, and I will see you guys next week.